Hello, hockey fans. It is Tuesday, April 24th, and this is From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Believe it or not, this is our 30th episode in our inaugural season of From the Press Box, the podcast here on the AHL Report. 30 episodes, Rick. I am, of course, joined this week again by my fabulous co-host, the editor-in-chief of uh, Rocket Sports Media, AHL Report, and all of our brands and magazines here, uh, Mr. Rick Stevens. Still going strong, and, and as you said, 30 episodes old. Old? Or young. Yeah. I think <laughs> that, I think that 30, 30 episodes would be young. Experienced? There you go. Maybe something like that. I don't know. I don't know what's what's the appropriate, uh, I don't know. Anyway, it's been 30 episodes, believe it or not, and we are still going strong here at the AHL Report. Just because the Laval Rockets season is over doesn't mean that we're going anywhere, because guess what? There really is no off-season here at Rocket Sports Media. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Rick, but I'm as, still as busy as we were when the Laval Rocket were still playing. Um, and uh, it's been another busy week, and we've got uh, lots to talk about today. We're going to kind of continue the conversation that we spent a good deal of time on uh, last week where we spoke at length uh, since as we went on the air with the podcast, uh, the news had just broken uh, within the hour that Sylvain Lefebvre had been relieved of his coaching duties in Laval. Uh, so we had a lengthy conversation about that last week. We're going to kind of pick that up a little bit and and finish off some some thoughts and some other things that have happened in relation to to the coaching situation in Laval since last week's podcast. Um, And then we're going to take a look at other potential, uh, I don't want to say dismissals, but but things that also might look different in the fall for the Rocket as we take a look at which players on the roster – go RFA or UFA this summer. We're going to take a kind of run down that list of whose contracts are up this year, who might be back, who might not be back, uh, who is definitely going to be back as far as who still has contracts in place. So just kind of start to get a preliminary feel for how, how much the same or different the roster could look come the fall. Um, and then from there, we're going to uh, slide into some AHL playoff talk. Uh, we've, as we uh, announced last week, we are covering the Lehigh Valley Phantoms in the playoffs um, more in-depth than perhaps the other series. So the Phantoms and Bruins got their series started last weekend with back-to-back games in Providence, and so we'll give you an update on how that series went down, as well as kind of just round out uh, how things are shaping up in round one across the league so far, as most teams have played uh, at least two games in their best of five first round series. And then kind of keeping with that playoff theme, we're going to head into our very fun top five, where we're going to take a look at our top five AHL or NHL playoff hashtags. You know, every team tends to have a hashtag through the regular season, but but also a different one or a new one or a really motivational one for the playoffs. And so we're going to take a look at the playoff hashtags from around the AHL and NHL and dish on which ones we think are pretty good um, because sometimes sometimes they can be good, sometimes they can be eh, not so good. So that's coming up later in the show. You aren't going to want to miss that. Um, but Rick, let's let's kind of let's kind of rewind a little bit. You know, we we 
everyone pretty much knows by now that about that a week ago today, uh, the Canadians, a week ago today, which which was a week following the end of year presser with Mark Bergevin and Jeff Molson, in which they talked about uh, the things that need to change for the Montreal Canadiens and the organization going forward is is building on um, attitude. We've heard the word character in the past. Uh, you know, it's a losing season. Uh, t- you know, ticket prices and concession prices and transparency in in as far as the media is concerned, um, and and improving the fan experience. Um, as we as we discussed at length, of course, you know, those were of course just all of the key things that were factors in the product on the ice that was dismal at best, both at the NHL and AHL level this season. And so since that time, the only uh, tangible solution that has, that has been put forth by the Montreal Canadiens was to fire Sylvain Lefebvre as the head coach of the Laval Rocket. Uh, so far, <laughs> so far, apparently that's the only thing that needed to come down. And I know that uh, Bergevin was on uh French television this week talking about how, you know, the, the scouting staff's going to stay in place until, until after the draft. And then things could shake up at that point. Before we get to all of that, let's just, let's just kind of continue the Sylvain, Sylvain Lafave discussion. Um, after our podcast last week, for those of you who um, have not seen it yet, I recommend you head over to the AHL report where Rick has a, a lengthy article that goes kind of dives deeper into what, Rick, you and I were talking about last week, about who is ultimately responsible for the losing season in Laval. And not just this season. Uh, the last few seasons have not been stellar. They did make the playoffs last year as the ice caps. Uh, were eliminated in the first round, but but who really is responsible for the losing season in Laval? It's a, it's an excellent read with some excellent insight from from Rick uh, as as our team you know works pretty closely with with the AHL affiliate and the coaching staff and kind of sees things from a different perspective uh, given given the access that we have. Um, and then Rick, you actually came out with another fantastic article just a couple of days ago um, after Stéphane Lebeau was doing some uh, press this week and was on with Tony Marinaro on TSN 690 and and had some different uh, insight. And so you've had, we've, we've put out a lot of good information this week, great articles that of course we want people to go read and share because it's really important information to help fans understand the AHL affiliate and how it's coached and how it's managed but just just give me your thoughts on on how on on what's transpired in the past week since Lefebvre's dismissal and and the things that are coming out from either Bergevin or Stéphane Lebeau or or you know any of those media types that are making their voices heard right now well it's interesting because uh, Jeff Molson spoke a lot about uh, communication and transparency um, and that that was that was indeed a problem and not so much that they've made the they've made bad decisions, but that that um, they haven't communicated them well. They haven't communicated their rationale well. Um, and um, so, you know, he 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 said that 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 was going to be something they would they would do better. Um, but here's a, here's an instance where um, a lack of communication, a lack of of transparency and really a lack of awareness 
Uh, even though the, the, the AHL affiliate is, is uh, closer this year, there's still, there's still a, a lack of awareness of what's going on. And, and, and in something as simple as what's the purpose of the AHL team? Um, right. What's the goals? What's the mission? Um, and, you know, many, many um, uh, fans, you know, want to see Laval Rocket win. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just a simplistic, I want to see goals scored. I want to see wins. I want to see Calder sure. Cup playoffs. I want to see right. those kinds of things. And, and I get it. Yeah, you, 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 we, we like that. But, but the AHL is much more complicated than that. And it, it's incumbent upon um, uh, Bergevin and Molson to explain that, explain their mission. But, of course, they won't. Because if they do that, then they are accountable and if they do that, it would it would uh, shed light on the fact that the Sylvain Lefebvre firing was ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. That that Lefebvre was was one of the few in the organization, or let's let's broaden that to the entire uh, coaching staff uh, in in the AHL. Um, we're doing their jobs. They are there to teach. They are there to prepare. Uh, the prospects for the uh, NHL, and we saw that they did that quite effectively with all the the recalls that happened during the year. Um, so that that um, you know, uh, once once the firing was made, uh, almost universally in the fan base and media, there was applause. There was oh, this is a first great move since the and and it's because of the lack of awareness mm-hmm. um, and and. You know, we we know that that Molson said himself that they listen they listen to the sports talk radio shows and and um, so they know the mood. They knew that 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 this sacrifice, this scapegoat in Lefebvre would would be effective. They they knew that, and it was. Uh, but it's a bit of a smokescreen, um, and and certainly does nothing uh, to advance the organization uh, towards the goal of the Stanley Cup, um, because. As I said, Lefebvre was was certainly, um, and his staff were were doing their jobs. Absolutely, and and you know we we did see a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of uh, you know mixed reaction to the article on social media because of that reason. You know, fans saying, "Oh, well, it wasn't just this past season." Well, no, it wasn't just this past season, but the directive of the organization didn't change this past season just because it moved to Laval. It's been the same for for at least all of Sylvain Lefebvre's tenure, if not prior to that as well. Um, and I, I just don't think that fans quite understand that, A, the system that is played in the AHL is not dictated by the head coach in the AHL, that it is dictated by the system of the NHL coach, which right now is Claude Julian. So Claude Julian's system is what is in place in the AHL team. That's why you see the same trouble spots, inconsistencies, and weaknesses in the way the game is played at the NHL level and the AHL level in the Montreal Canadiens organization because they're playing the same system. Uh, It was kind of stunning to me that there were a lot of uh, fans and quite frankly a lot of media types who uh, apparently weren't aware of that until late in the season this year um, so that 
can't be put on Sylvain Lefebvre's shoulders. He has to coach according to the system that's given to him to coach. Um, and as you say, winning is good. Winning helps sell tickets. Winning creates a, a fantastic atmosphere in the arena. Um, and of course, for the players, they want to win. At the end of the day, that's what that's what they want to do. They want to win at the end of the day. But it's the job of the coaches to make sure that while they're winning or while they're losing, they're also learning. Um, so it's, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, it's, 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 it's going to, there's going to be, I, I'm hoping that the learning curve for the Montreal fan base and the Montreal mainstream media doesn't take too long now that the team is just down the road from from downtown Montreal and just down the road from the Bell Center, now that the team is there in in and around the city, people are now going to pay attention to the AHL affiliate. Before that, they didn't pay as much attention because they weren't right there. Now that they're there, they're paying attention, but it means they're going to need to have a learning curve. Um, and they need yeah. to understand that the – go ahead – I I appreciate your your optimism, but it's not going to happen. It the mainstream media doesn't tell an accurate story when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. So why should why would they ever tell uh, an accurate story with a team they cover less? We never see anyone on the on the road out there um, covering them, other than the the radio broadcasters. Um, we don't see any of the mainstream media covering. So how? How, if they're covering half of the games, how would they get those right? And 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 the, 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 let's let's be honest, let's be frank. They don't want to. They have they have a, a narrative they're pushing, and they're not going to spin on a dime and say, "Listen, everything that that we've been telling you for the past decade or so is absolutely hogwash." And we're going to from now on, we're going to start telling you the truth because we're going to cover this team fairly and honestly. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, so, I mean, you said that, that the article was was um, received in a mixed way. I, I, I actually thought it was was much better received than that, much better than I expected. Well, yeah, and no, and following I and and following that, it was it was then that that Stéphane LeBeau uh, appeared uh, on radio and and absolutely confirmed a hundred percent everything in in the article. Um, well, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and let's let's back up for some people. Stéphane LeBeau um, was uh, played played for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, won a won a Stanley Cup. Was was a member of the 1993 Stanley Cup winning team. Um, had a short uh, career with the Canadiens, and then um, uh, came back to the organization um, in 2013-14 as an assistant coach for. Um, uh, Sylvain Lefebvre was on his staff for two years as part of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, so he he knows what he's taught. He has some experience um, in the NH in the AHL. Um, you know he was he was the the uh, person who uh, uh, got the uh, uh, Solinger Trophy as Solenberger Trophy as the leading scorer in the uh, AHL for Canadians franchise the last time since Chris Terry did it this, this past season. Uh, so he's had success in the AHL. He's been a coach in the AHL. He's been a coach under Sylvain Lefebvre. He knows what he's talking about. 
Uh, and he came out and barely basically said, um, you know, you can't blame Sylvain Lefebvre. He's, he's, you know, his heart and soul and that of, of, of uh, Donald Dufresne, Nick Carrier and, and Marco Marciano, they all have their heart and souls in it and they, they, they uh, do the best they can, but they are, are not in control. Sylvain is not in control. The uh, systems are dictated by Montreal. The, the rosters are dictated by Montreal. Um, so that it was ridiculous in this instance for, um, uh, for all the blame to come down heavily on Sylvain Lefebvre. And just to, just to clarify, when I, when I did say not well received as far as your first article, I did not, certainly did not mean that in terms of Rick's article or the quality of it not being well received in that in, in that, yes, it's, it's a tremendous article, so I'm, I apologize if the way I said that uh, came out differently. I meant in terms of fans not understanding, and so articles like that are so important to help try to educate fans because, as you say, the mainstream media is not doing it, and they're probably not going to do it. So it's, it's vital that they have resources like the AHL report to help give them a different insight and a better insight and an honest insight into what's going on. And that's why, you know, that's why articles like this are so important. And then, yes, a perfect example of that is then going into your, your article about Stefan LeBeau's uh, interview with uh, Tony Marinero on TSN 690. And you could hear that the interviewer, who is the guy in the media who's supposed to have a clue, didn't have a clue, and, and that there were more than there was more than one occasion where Stefan Lebeau had to correct Marinero or had to just say, well, no, what you're asking me is just completely wrong. And that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not really a you know, good feeling to have when you, when you have even media folks that, that go into interviews like that and, and aren't as informed as they should be. Yeah. He, and there's a good example. There was somebody that was clearly, had it all figured out, uh, even though he doesn't have a clue about the, the Laval rocket, he had it all figured out, had a narrative in his mind, and, and uh, you know, uh, to his credit, LeBeau, in each case, said no, um, and then went on to correct him. Um, but I think it's important that, you know, that the even Stefan LeBeau said that after his first year with uh, in coaching um, on the on the Sylvain Lefebvre's staff, they sat down, and uh, LeBeau was said was told, uh, "You are too focused on winning," um, and and you know that may come to as a, a shock to to and I, I guess it did to LeBeau. It, it may come as a shock to fans and media, but but and and you know the the simplistic response is, "Well, why can't you have both?" Well. You know, in in the AHL, you either finish, uh, you know, you're finishing at the bottom of the standings year after year after year after year, and you're building up draft picks, um, and and then they play in the AHL, and and your AHL team succeeds. Okay, let's let's acknowledge that that isn't the Montreal Canadiens' case. Um, or the other way is to to just put your your top prospects. Uh, the, the can't miss ones that Lebeau talked about, um, and and you know those are those are you know 
three, four, um, and then surround the team with with uh, yeah, AHL vets. Um, and 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 those kinds of teams can win as well. Uh, but again, that's that's not a viable model for the long term because you need role players. You need uh, to, and to develop those players uh, as well. Uh, and that there's players who, you know, are selected in the fifth round, like Charles Houdon, uh, that, um, you know, you may, might not want to give, give up on. And, and maybe a guy like Charles Houdon needs three years in the, the AHL to, to prepare himself for the NHL. Or maybe there's a guy like Charlie Lindgren who is undrafted. And it's, it's, it's odd because LeBeau himself was undrafted. Uh, so if you're if you're only focusing on your first and second round picks and developing them, um, I, I think that's a bit bit short sighted and um, and and perhaps that's why uh, well not perhaps I think that's why uh, LeBeau and and Lefebvre, uh, uh parted ways and uh, Lefebvre was being you know wasn't wasn't uh, was only explaining to to uh, LeBeau the the organizational imperatives, so what, what, what the organization had set down as a mission for the, the AHL team um, and just needed everybody, um, you know, uh, pulling the oars in the same direction kind of thing. Um, and um, so I, th- I think it was a very kind of eye-opening. For some, it would be a very um, eye-opening interview for us. Uh, for me personally, it, it just confirmed things that we've been saying for a very long time. That's true. Well, and another thing that we've been saying for a very long time, and you've been saying publicly for a long time, that Stéphane Lebeau essentially confirmed as well, is the next person who gets the job of head coach in Laval is going to need to be able to fall into lockstep with all of those kinds of directives knowing that they're coming in and they don't have complete control over their team. They don't have complete control over their roster. They don't have complete control over their system. In fact, they have no control over their system. And, and, and that's not, you know, that's, that's not the case for every AHL affiliate around the league. Um, so there's plenty of names that are getting tossed around of, of who fans would like to see take the helm in Laval. But they need to keep in mind that the candidate that they want may not want to take a head coaching position under those kinds of directives. It's it's not it it's not easy for for everyone to you know be able to kind of compromise what their responsibilities are or or how much influence they have. Um, over their team. Well, that's right. And, and you see conversations uh, on social media about, oh, the system that uh, Dom Ducharme plays or Jean Bouchard plays, or it, it, it's moot. It, it's, it's silly um, because it's not going to be one of those systems. We didn't see um, a Sylvain Lefebvre system in Hamilton, no. in St. John's, uh, nor in, in Laval. Uh, we saw a Michelterian system, and then we saw a Claude Julien system. Um, and and as you say, yeah, that, um, Stéphane Lebeau warned, uh, you know, sent a general warning to those uh, potential coaching candidates, uh, saying, "Are you willing to give up your freedom? Are you in, willing to give up your independence? Are you willing to to follow, um, uh, you know, the, the directives of 
Mark Bergevin and, and Claude Julian. Um, are you willing to be a good soldier like Sylvain Lefebvre was? Um, you know, Mark Bergevin mentioned, um, you know, when when uh, Lefebvre was um, re- uh, relieved of his duties, that uh, what a, how loyal he's been. Well, Bergevin's going to look for that same kind of loyalty again. Um, so, you know, what 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 do you need? What's then more most important? Is a is a strategist most important? No. Uh, what what they the Canadians should be looking for is the best teacher, because mm-hmm. they'll the Canadians define the system, but it's it's up to the AHL coach to teach to uh, help the prospects learn how to and how to prepare them for the um, the NHL. So it was interesting. I thought this week that. Um, I'm going to get it wrong. I don't remember who wrote the article, but uh, mentioning the name of, of Gordy Dwyer. Um, oh, right. And oh, it was Jonathan Bernier. Jonathan Bernier. Yes, it was uh, Jonathan wrote, Bernier. Wrote yeah. the article about um, kind of, okay, well, an under the radar candidate might be Gordy Dwyer. Gordy Dwyer um, is a tremendous teacher. Um, and he was. Uh, a coach of the PEI Rocket, and the Rocket became the um, the island, the Charlottetown Islanders. Um, and since then, he's been so he has uh, uh, Q experience, but since then he's been coaching in the um, in the KHL, and and he's a tremendous teacher. Um, and so, um, and he's got connections with Sean Burke uh, on the uh, the Canadians. Um, but those are the kinds of, I mean, when you think out of the box, um, don't look at a coaching record and say, okay, this is the guy I think would be good, because that doesn't meet the the, the mission of the AHL team uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. If there's one thing that's for certain, uh, this whole process is going to be quite interesting as it unfolds throughout the summer. Um, you know, and... and as I as I briefly mentioned before we got into to speaking about the coaches, Mark Bergevin made a made a appearance on French TV uh, this week. And as I said, you know, Rick Hughes of course confirms that the you know the, the scouting scouting staff isn't going anywhere uh, before the draft. Which that I kind of wanted to just tweet. Well, duh. I mean. <laughs> They're not going to get rid of your scouting staff right in you know two months before before the draft. But that then after the draft there could be some shakeup uh, in in scouting and whatnot. It'll be interesting to see how he shifts things around there. Um, but we anyone who has paid attention to the AHL report and all Habs uh, at all over the years knows that we are uh, you know stand firmly behind the choices that Trevor Timmons makes when he's allowed to make decisions. Um, based off of the talent that he scouts and not anything else. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how scouting changes uh, at, at, throughout the summer in addition and, and how that will affect Laval next year and, and down the line um, in, addition, in addition to the coaching drama as it unfolds. That's true. And, and we know that that the Canadians are represented at the uh, U18 tournament in, in Russia that's going on. Um, Trevor Timmons and Shane Churler are there. 
um, as well as the the, the uh, Russian scout whose name escapes me right now. Tim, uh, it will come to me. Um, and you know they had a good look today at uh, a player like um, Adam Boquist uh, playing for for Sweden. Had two goals against Canada. Canada won um, in overtime. Um, and you know a player like that could be available if the Canadians are picking at the fourth to sixth kind of um, uh, area, depending on the uh, the results of the uh, the lottery in just a couple of days. I know. Are we all holding our breath? Where do you think? Where do you think they're? Where do you think the halves are going to fall in the lottery? Fourth. No, actually, actually, they have a um, fourth. I think is the, the least. Uh, uh, they have the least chance picking fourth. Okay. Uh, they have the best the best chance. They have about a a sixty percent chance of picking fifth or sixth. I was gonna yeah, I was gonna say fifth. Which yeah, don't so. don't blame the messenger. I'm just I just <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think they're going to get top three. I don't no. think it's going to happen. So that means kiss your Rasmus Dahlins, your Brady Kachuks, and your Zadina's goodbye. We'll they're see go- what happens. The Canadians will end up with a with a very good pick. Um, uh-huh. It won't be. It won't be. Um, you know, a, a swing for the fences, solve our problems, and get us back no. into contention in one year. Kind no. Of. I mean, there, there's so much nonsense uh, about, you know, all of these kinds of things that all have to fall perfectly. They have to win the draft lottery. They have to take Deline. They have to sign Tavares. <laughs> they have to um, uh, sign uh, mm-hmm. Paul Stasny. They, the, and, and then they'll be back in, connect, in contention with one within one year I, I you know um Bergevin has has swung for the fences and and and, and lost um more often than than one so uh, I wouldn't expect um you know all the all of his wishes to come true uh this summer well and and of course you can't forget either that um once Thomas Pulkanitz wins the Stanley Cup with the Leafs. He's naturally going to want to come back to Montreal. And now that Andre Markov has won a KHL championship, he will um, forego the second year of his contract, and he'll be back uh, next year. So Mm -hmm. it's really, they've got it in the bag, really. If they just do those... What's that? No, the plan is is, is coming to fruition. It's, uh, I mean... It's right there for the taking. I mean, it couldn't be more simple. <laughs> couldn't be more simple. We will see what happens. But uh, another thing that we're going to have to wait to see what happens is what this roster for the Laval is going to look like in the fall. Um, let's t- let, let's talk about what we know. We do know that there are players who have contracts. Some of those players, we don't know if they are going to be playing in the NHL or the AHL. We can guess that there's a couple of them that are going to make the NHL roster who who do have contracts for next year. Um, and I would say that would be people like probably Nick Delorier, probably Nikita Sherbeck, and probably Charlie Lindgren. Um, 
the rest of your guys who, who do still have contracts next year are guys like Byron Fraze, Noah Juleson, Dan Audette, Brett Lernout, Antoine Wakid, Simone Bork, Jeremiah Addison, Michael McNiven, Matt Tarmina. And then you've also got, you know, the Hayden Van, uh, the Verbeeks, the Pizzettas, the Bittens, and the Jake Evans of the world. Um, so those are guys who are under contract for next year. Um, Byron Fraze, Rick, I don't know. I mean, if someone had told me back in September of 2017 that A, the Habs were going to call up Byron Fraze, and B, they were going to keep him up there all season long, I'd have said, I'd have asked you if you hit your head. Um, but that actually happened. So now I don't, I have no idea if, if, if he makes the Habs roster in the fall uh, after training camp. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, yeah, I hope I, not. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to waste 30 seconds talking about Byron Fraze and Logan Shaw. <laughs> no. I just don't. No, I didn't. No, Logan Shaw is not even on this list because I'm going, this list is going off of guys who were on the AHL roster at, at any point uh, this season. Um, you know, it's good that they'll, Brett Lernout's another one. Brett Lernout could, could play um, up in the show. It's a matter of, will will he um so not sure there it's good that we'll have Matt Tarmina back um and uh, of course you know it was rookie year for for guys like Michael McNiven Jeremiah Addison Simone Bork Antoine Wake and so so lots of you know there there are some some core guys there um who have contracts but really there's a lot of turnover that could take place Rick we'll start with Start with the UFAs because there's only two of them, if I am correct, um, and that is Adam Cracknell and Chris Terry, who oh, unfortunately also happen to be the two biggest, you know, scorers on your team and two thirds of your top line. Um, do we see either of these guys back? Do we see either of them get re-signed? I tend to lean towards one yes and one no, but yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Chris Terry, no. Chris Terry's not coming back. Adam Cracknell uh, will mm-hmm. likely be back. And Adam Cracknell has expressed uh, explicitly that he wants, he would love to come back. His family's enjoying uh, being in Laval, and and um, but I agree with you there. I think I think I think Adam Cracknell will be back. I think Chris Terry likely will not be. He will he will move on, I believe, to another team. Now the list of RFAs is as long as my arm and that's where things could get a little little interesting um do you want me to run down this list or do you want me to take take these guys one at a time and and chime in on them yeah go, uh, go ahead and, and and give your thoughts on on uh, whoever you wish to talk about well i'm just i'm just going to start at the these are listed in no particular order um and so you know here, here's the list. I'm just going to run down the list of who goes RFA this summer. Daniel Carr, again, I'm listing him, even though he was up with the Habs for the majority of the season, he did start in the AHL last season. Daniel Carr, Kirby Reichel, Mike McCarron, Renat Valiev, Tom Parisi, Zach Fukali, Marcus Eisenschmid, Jeremy Gregoire. There's a lot of talent in there for a lot of RFAs and I would bet half of them aren't back. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't, 
the, the organization is in the driver's seat when it comes to RFAs, and it it's, it doesn't doesn't cost a lot to to um, qualify them. Um, right. And and so, you know, will will they be uh, qualified and traded uh, if if they're not well, possibly? Um, I think I think the obvious ones um, who are unlikely to come back and and um, that would be Set and Zach Bucali, uh and Marcus Eisenschmid. Um I think will will be I, back I, or will I, not I will not be back. I'd be I'd be very surprised if if uh, if they were back. I'd I'd be happy um, to, to see them, but but surprised to to have them back. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I think people are convinced that Mike McCarron is on his way out. I think that um, Mike would probably even welcome a, a fresh start somewhere else. And, you know, maybe maybe it's a, um, a 50-50 kind of chance. But the Canadians, I, I think, are willing to be a little bit more um, patient. The only problem is Mike's um, waiver status um, next year. So... Um, you know, they, they put him in a new role this season, um, and he took a while to adjust to it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unclear whether, whether, uh, they'll want him back, but, but I mean, unless they're going out and signing other veterans, they need a bit, they need some, some senior people on, on, on this team as well. Right. But as, and as, but as you say, not waiver exempt next year, and and so then that becomes a situation where, you know, is Mark Bergevin going to want to risk him getting claimed off waivers, and then he gets nothing for a first round draft pick, um, and so then it's kind of reminiscent of the situation, a little bit with Della Rose this year, who who made the roster, he was waiver eligible this year, made the roster, and then for the first half of the season until injuries started happening, spent a lot of time in the press box, which didn't help uh, didn't help him at all. Um, so it'll be in, as as you say, there. Um, it's kind of a fifty fifty. It'll be interesting to see what decisions they make there and and how that pans out. Yeah, I I think um, Valiev will will be back. Um, yeah, uh, didn't get enough of a look at him. Um, I think they'll want want him back. I think Gregoire will be back. Uh, you know, he had a, a a decent season and and he could provide um, some of that leadership and work ethic. Uh, Kirby Reichel might be back. Kirby Reichel might be back. I I I, I think he could fill in the. You know some of the scoring uh, that uh, is going to be lost with t- Chris Terry on the way out. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting one for me is going to be Tom Parisi. Yeah, Tom Parisi had an excellent season. An excellent yes, season. Very underrated defenseman, um, but uh, you know wasn't used much down the the last few games when they were taking a look at at um, uh, at others. Whether that means that you know they're they're, they don't need to see anymore uh, whether they're they're going to have him back. I I would hope so, uh, or if they're thinking of going in a in a different direction. His is going to be one of the more more interesting ones and one that that I'm going to be paying attention to. Absolutely. 
Um, and I believe actually one guy that I did not mention, I may have missed him on my list, uh, is Eric Jelena. Um, and I can't uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember if he's UFA or RFA this summer. But I I I would get the impression that Jelena won't be back. I don't think there's a chance in hell he's back. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I don't think there's a chance in hell. Yeah, I don't. He he sat a lot. He had a, a, a little burst of productivity in the middle of the season, but he sat a lot towards the end of the season and and just didn't didn't look good. And Dan Carr. You know, Dan played most of the season up up in Montreal, but again, there was a lot of times that he was in the press box. You know, people liken him to Brendan Gallagher an awful lot. So, so I don't know. Is I don't I, I I don't know. As you as you say, it doesn't cost a lot to to qualify a guy like Dan Carr, um, but I don't know that he'll be a permanent fixture next season. I don't know. I think Jerry's out on that one. Uh, it's it's um, it, it's you know I it's hard to predict because yeah. uh, Claude Julian obviously preferred um, the Logan Shaws and the Byron phrases over the Daniel Cars. Um, Don't know why. It, it, it's it's <laughs> it's bizarre to me, but um, yeah. you know. But hey, <laughs> what happened? So it it will be interesting to see. Um, of those who don't have a contract right now, who gets qualified, who doesn't? Of those who get qualified, do they get traded or do they stay? And of those who stay, who who who's going to really make a difference at training camp and make the roster? Who's going to go to Laval? And that is all before there's been a draft and before any um, free agency signings or, you know, anything of that nature. Um, so this is, again in no way, shape, or form us talking about, you know, what the roster is going to look like in the fall. But it's time to just start considering who who is up for new contracts this season um, as the team already starts working on things for next year. So it should be interesting to see. Um, now, as you say, one of the interesting things, Rick, I think is going to be, so let's say um, – as you predict, Zach Fukali is not back. Let's let's say that happens, and let's say, as I, as I said uh, when I went through the list of guys who have contracts, and you, we've we've both mentioned this before that, um, barring something bizarre happen, happening, uh, that Charlie Lindgren is Carey Price's backup in Montreal next year. Well, that's leaving then Michael McNiven with a starting goaltender position most likely, but that then leaves a backup goaltender position open. So is that a, is that a situation if, if that scenario happens, is that a situation where they bring in a guy like a Jan Denis from, from years past where it's a veteran goaltender who's okay with, with playing the backup role and being a mentor towards a young Michael McNiven, or do you, do you try to go after another young goaltender and have a true kind of, of tandem and, and, you know, competition there within the team? Well, as you said a few minutes ago, we're we're getting way, way, way out over our well, yeah. and way ahead of ourselves uh, because uh, this 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 isn't the group that we're going to be dealing with. They're right. they're um, you know 
Mark Bergevin is is um, got a gun to his head, uh, you know, by the by the fan base, by the media, maybe a little bit by uh, Jeff Molson, and he's he's mm-hmm. he can't stand Pat. Uh, so there's going to be some moves, and and whether oh, those sure. moves, um, you know, uh, have have uh, include the goaltenders going out or in, um, that's that's definitely a possibility. You know, we've got right. uh, uh, prospect goalies like uh, Hayden Hockey and Caden Cremo. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we've got we've got all kinds of moving parts. So, um, you know, if if this if this is the case uh, in 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 August, will will um, uh, Mark Bergevin go out and add a you know a, a, a veteran goalie um, to mentor um, uh, Michael McNiven? Uh, sure, then we can we can uh, say probably, but I think there's yeah. there's too much that's going to happen. Oh uh, yeah, between now and then, and and scary. <laughs> Scary things can happen, and and uh, one of those scary things might be the the re-signing of Andy Niemi. Um, well, that's <laughs> I, I I was so, I was avoiding so, saying that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. there's lots of moving parts. Just kind of kind of just starting to give people kind of some food for thought of of all the things that are on the table and the moving parts that are in play for this summer, um, as they start to kind of think about next season. Um, going forward and of course we'll be sure to keep everyone on top of all of that um but there is still current season happening just not for the laval rocket uh the round round one of the of the calder cup playoffs is now underway began last week um just quickly uh can can fill you in on how the phantoms and bruins series is going since uh we we are covering that a bit more in depth you can find those full game recaps on ahl.report uh, the series that series is currently tied one one to one. Phantoms took the first game three to two. Uh, after Alex Lyon had a had a tremendous night in net, um, the the Bruins are just absolutely peppering Alex Lyon in this series so far. The the shots have just been through the roof, and in that in that first game that the Phantoms did win in Providence, uh, Lyon turned aside 39 shots, only let two in for a total of 41 shots on goal. Um, a lot of penalty issues. These two teams don't like each other. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, you know, I've we've we've said that the Lehigh Valley Wilkesbury rivalry is usually pretty gritty. Well, um, as it turns out, the Phantoms and the Providence Bruins had played them played each other. I believe I heard it was something like four or five times in the month leading up to the playoffs. So there was already a, a good amount of history and animosity that had been brewing between these two teams leading into the postseason and they didn't waste any time whatsoever in the first game. Um, ton of penalties both nights. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it's a, it's a very physical series. Uh, now Providence had Zane McIntyre in net the first night. Uh, they lost that game. Second night, they put in Jordan Bennington, who uh, was an AHL All-Star this year, and uh, the Bruins were able to even the series with a 5-3 to three win in the second game on Saturday. Um, Alex Lyon was, was in net again for the Phantoms. So they come back to Lehigh Valley now uh, this Friday night. They'll be there Friday and Saturday. Uh, myself and the AHL Report team will actually be on location uh, in Allentown in Lehigh Valley to cover 
all of the Phantoms home games. Uh, so right now, definitely a game three and game four, Friday and Saturday. And then if needed, game five will be Monday night uh, next week. Uh, with the Flyers now, sadly, tragically, horribly exiting the Stanley Cup playoffs in the first round because of the stinking Penguins. Um, the good news for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms is that they got Travis Sanheim and Oscar Lindblom back yesterday from Philadelphia. So those, Rick, are those are two guys that are that are weapons for Lehigh Valley, um, which will probably make an immediate impact. That, that's huge, and um, you know, with with Boston and and the Leafs going to seven games, um, Providence probably yeah, they might. I guess they could by the weekend get somebody back, but but uh, for for uh, the Phantoms, um, you know, Travis Sanheim is uh, how much I admire him and the way he plays, the way he skates, the way he can move mm-hmm. the puck, the way he can be uh, a little bit edgy, and and uh, and Lindblom is a is, is a good skater will help uh, uh, the offense as well. So uh, both are are big boosts to the to the Phantom. Um, uh, line up and and um, I think with my prediction I'm you know should uh, the Phantoms take the next two games uh, at the PPL Center then I'll be right on track with my uh, prediction. Oh, we'll we'll be updating those next week once the first <laughs> round is over. That's that's for sure. We're almost at a point that we can update our our NHL predictions, uh, but Boston and and the Leafs have to figure out their series. Um, I actually, speaking of Sanheim, I really liked, I really liked his attitude um, today. In fact, um, after practicing with the Phantoms after being sent down yesterday, you know, it's it's never easy to to exit the playoffs, especially in the first round, especially when you're young, as as these guys just had to experience with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, and then it's, okay, well, okay, I'm going to go back to the AHL now, and okay, here we go. Um, but he had a really good attitude, a really good quote today. Uh, I, I don't have it right in front of me, so I won't, I won't try to give, it, give you a direct quote. But basically his, his message was, you know, not that many guys get to make a run in the playoffs twice in the same season, and he's just really excited to get two opportunities to to go deep into a playoff run in the same season. And I think that's a really that's a really mature attitude to have for someone as young as Travis Sondheim. For sure. Um we we talked about being um puzzled and how a bit demoralizing it was for uh Kirby Reichel, Mike McCarron and Brett Lernout to um to, to go from the Canadians down to the rocket uh, at the yeah. end of the season to, to, to finish out the season. Um, this is a completely different situation um, uh, for Lindblom and, and Sandheims and, and the organization said, okay, thanks guys. You can't do any more for us, uh, but you can certainly do uh, be a big help uh, with the phantoms and, and we need you down there. And, and uh, um, I, 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 I I, I like as you said, uh, San, Sanheim's attitude was was good and and uh, uh, good on the organization for uh, for giving them the opportunity uh, to uh, 
to continue on in the in the playoffs. So be sure to uh, follow along uh, at the AHL Report and and me at Flyers Rule and uh, Rick. You can find at All Habs on Twitter. Uh, again, we'll have live coverage of games three and four between the Phantoms and the Bruins. Friday night and Saturday night this week, along with full recaps, player interviews, coach interviews. Um, we might uh, likely we'll have a chance to chat uh, with Mr. Limblom or Mr. Sanheim, along with uh, some of the other some of the other guys uh, in the locker room there. But taking a look around the rest of the league, just a quick rundown of the standings. So the Phantoms and the Bruins are tied at a game apiece. Um, some may be surprised to see that, uh, you know, Charlotte ha- Charlotte went on a huge run towards the second half of the season. Uh, they've been a strong team all season long, but they're playing the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, uh, who have a captain who's announced that he's retiring after this year. Uh, so they've got a little extra incentive to, to, to really make this year special for him. And the Penguins are currently down 2 nothing in the series and are facing elimination Thursday night when Charlotte comes to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. So really interesting, going to be interesting to see how that plays out, if the Penguins can take advantage of home ice and, and extend the series, um, or they might be finding themselves golfing a little earlier than, than a lot of people expected. Um, the Marlies are up 2-0 on the Comets, so the Comets are, are now facing elimination in their next game as well. Um, I, I expected this one to be a little more, eve, a little tighter, so we'll see what happens uh, with Utica, um, the Syracuse Crunch again, like last year, they're just strong and they feed off the playoffs. Man, um, they are up two games to none over the Rochester Americans. So they have Amherst also facing elimination. There's a lot of a lot of series that are that are in elimination mode already. Uh, the Rockford, I, this one I think is is really surprising. Rick, the Rockford Ice Hogs are up two games to none over the Chicago Wolves. Chicago Wolves facing elimination in their next game, which happens on Thursday. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it's it's hard to toss all of these in the same basket, and and because because the formats are so different, mm-hmm. um, they're they're so very different. And you know Charlotte is up to nothing, but those two games were at home. They won right. the games at home. Now they go back to Wilkes-Barre, and Wilkes-Barre, uh, you, you'd expect they would be able to. Uh, that's a tough building to, to win in um, mm-hmm. when you're in the road team. Uh, so, we, you know, I, I picked the checkers, and I still think they're going to win this, but I, but I, I can't see them um, uh, sweeping the series. Uh, the Marlies, um, they're up to nothing, and they won their games at home. Um, and right. now they're going to, to Utica for, for two and end up with uh, the last game in Toronto if if it works out that way, if it goes that far. Uh, Syracuse won their two games at home, uh, and now they, they go back to uh, Rochester for, for three. The Wolves and the Ice Hogs, they're, uh, the Ice Hogs, yeah, they, they've got a 2 nothing lead. That was the series, uh, as you recall, last week we told you that that's the 1-1-1-1-1-1. Oh, yes. They go back and forth. <laughs> they're alternating, they go back and yes. forth. Uh, so the Ice Hogs have won one game in the Wolves building, um, and and uh, you know the the uh, game three is 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 in Chicago. So um, so that yeah, the, when when you look at the 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 format, maybe it starts to explain a little bit um, where where these series have uh, have ended up. 
Absolutely. Now, uh, the Manitoba Moose and the Grand Rapids Griffins each have one game apiece. So that series is tied, as is the San Jose Barracuda and the Tucson Roadrunners. The only series that has played three games thus far is the Texas Stars versus the Ontario Reign. The Stars are up 2-1 to one in that series. They don't play again for another... Uh, actually, they play tonight. I'm sorry. I take that back. They play tonight. Game four is tonight. Game three on Sunday night was a tight one. Texas won at 5-4 to four in double overtime. So, seems to be a pretty good series that they've got going on. They will be in... Uh, Ontario, California uh, tonight for game four in which the rain needs to win this in order to uh, avoid elimination. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Absolutely. And we will be sure to keep uh, every, well, it's possible, it's possible that uh, all of these first round series should be wrapped up by the time we reconvene here again for our next episode next Tuesday so we should be able to provide some updates on on how things are going and who's been eliminated and who's still in it and at that point those teams will still be using their playoff hashtags Rick do you remember a day when this world didn't even know what a hashtag was (laughs) There's and still a good portion of the world that doesn't, I, doesn't deal with hashtags I, on a daily basis. I think there are. And it's crazy sometimes when you stop and think about how much of our daily lives and social media is driven by hashtags. Hashtag everything these days uh, gets a little crazy, a little silly every now and then. But, you know, every team has has their 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 franchise hashtag, their team hashtag throughout the year, whatever it may be. But many of them come the postseason, if they make the playoffs, um, come up with a special hashtag just just to help provide some additional, um, you know, inspiration to fans and so forth uh, in the postseason. So today's top five is we're going to take a look at the NHL and AHL teams that are currently in the postseason, whether they've been eliminated already or not in terms of the NHL, and take a look at their hashtags. We're not going to run through everybody's hashtags, but we've kind of sort of narrowed it down to who we think, who who we each think have the best playoff hashtags this season. And I have to say, some of them are really bad. <laughs> yes. Some of them are really bad. And some of them are just lazy. Um, and I, I, I say that with all respect, really, Avalanche and Wild and uh, Kings and Ducks and Ice Hogs and Bruins and the list could go on. There's there's a good amount of them that simply didn't bother with a new hashtag for the playoffs and, and you know, the, the Avalanche was hashtag go avs go. The wild was hashtag let's go wild. It's the same one that they use all season. I'm like, okay, that's just lazy. Like, I understand consistency, but you could have a second one just for the playoffs, just for fun. So I'm not impressed. If you didn't, if you did not come up with a new hashtag for the playoffs, I'm not impressed. Just saying. 
What did you uh, did? Do you have do you have rules, regulations, stipulations, disclaimers, honorable mentions? Well, things you're horrified about. Yeah, <laughs> my rules kind of violate everything you just said. So. Oh no. <laughs> See, this is why we create our own separate lists. (laughs) There wouldn't be a consensus. Really, so your rules are what? Um, If you have go-habs-go during the season, you have go-habs-go during the playoffs. I mean, what... what, what, Well, yeah. But you can't have a second uh, one? So you sit your Habs Habs fans down and you have a class and you say, okay, for the playoffs now. (laughs) Because we wanted to come up with something really cutesy. Um, and for what reason? You know, the, the and and yes, you, you said these would come from all leagues, right? Um, hashtag sure. any league. Okay, so, so we looked at the, the NHL, we looked at the AHL. I even looked at the ECHL because there's a lot of crap out there. And so you look at, at a, at a, at a, team like the Atlanta Gladiators of the ECHL. For the playoffs, their hashtag is hashtag advance the legacy. Now, who the hell's going to remember that? They're going to, okay, they, they, my team scored. I'm going to hashtag <laughs> advance the legacy. Well, maybe, that, maybe, maybe their seriously. fans are very tuned in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, this is just silly. This is just really silly. So well, most, okay. of, most of mine are going to be. I've, I've got one. I think maybe two that are good. The rest of them are, are, are on my list. Are just going to be really, really bad ones. I see. Well, see, my I have the complaint about the lazy ones, but then I also have the category of the ones that are trying too freaking hard. Yeah. And I will I will call out the Pittsburgh A, if you know me, I hate the Pittsburgh Penguins. I hate them even more this week because they just eliminated my team. But once I saw what their stupid postseason hashtag is, I hate them even more. Their hashtag is hashtag believe. Except the B isn't a B. It's a number three because they're trying to three peat. So it's hashtag three leave just shut up that's, like go sit in the corner and shut hard. up that's trying no. way too hard yeah. um the ontario rain have done the same thing um their hashtag is time to rain except the i and the g in the word rain is the number 18 because it's 2018 so it's hashtag time to red 18 n <laughs> now see it's especially when you have the Ontario Rain who has the perfect hashtag sitting there waiting for you saying use me. And that would be Purple Rain, Purple Rain. Purple Rain. R- but is purple one of their colors? Well, purple LA was the color or, of but... Yes, purple was the color of uh, of Absolutely, and and why wouldn't it? When your name is the rain, why wouldn't a, a purple is a royal color? Why well, wouldn't true. you use it? 
Maybe you should call them up. The color of the monarchy. Hmm? Maybe you should call them up. Well, I could do a much better job. I'm maybe, sure you should, maybe you should send an email <laughs> offering your services. No, but it's just like, yeah, it just stop with the trying too hard. I just, I don't like the trying too hard. And I really, I, the, the Washington, I, I also hate the Washington Capitals. And their hashtag is all caps, written in all caps. And I just want to, like, poke myself in the eye with a rusty fork every time I see it because it's just so stupid. Well, listen, um, and I know you hate all- the Capitals, and that's, that's private. Yeah. But we have the hashtag all caps, right? So yeah. if if more followed along like us, then that would increase the popularity of our hashtag. And and so we have a vested interest in saying that the all caps hashtag is brilliant. Right. Because the all caps hashtag is brilliant. Well, that's – yeah, I'm fine with that. It's that they <laughs> write it in all capital letters because no, they I, I, I know, I know. Yeah. It's so stupid. No, it. Hashtag all haps. Make sure you follow hashtag all haps. All right, so let's let's run down this top five. Do you want me to start with my number five, or are you starting <laughs> with doing that? I thought we, we have no. I was already given my I was I was already given my list here. Oh, go ahead. So what was your number five? Well, try uh, mine were in kind of again. Mine are just in categories, and my number five was trying too hard. Oh, okay. Okay, mine are actually so so my top 5 are actually ones that I like. All right. And this is not because I'm totally Homerville, but I did like the Flyers hashtag this year. Oh and I'm God, I know you're going to you're probably going to hate it. The Flyers hashtag this year didn't work out so well for them. Um and on days that they didn't have back-to-back games, it didn't quite make sense, but I like the spirit behind it. Philly's a blue-collar town. We've talked about this before. It's a blue-collar town, blue-collar people, blue-collar fans. They work hard. They get their hands dirty. They 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 earn their living. And so Philly's hashtag this year was earn tomorrow. Um, and I really I like the spirit behind that, that, they, that you have to earn every day in the playoffs, uh, which they clearly, clearly did not at all and again like I said on the days that they didn't have back to back games it was kind of like so earn two days from now is that what it is but but okay I get this so that's why it's last on the list it's it's my number five hashtag earn tomorrow courtesy of the now golfing Philadelphia Flyers hated 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 the Flyers hashtag so sorry because <laughs> I, I, I hate when you're trying to suck up to your corporate, corporate sponsor. And that's exactly, you can't tell me that they didn't sit around the little marketing geniuses, the little uh, saying, oh, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to make Wells Fargo happy with us? <laughs> oh, let's, let's use banking oh, terms. See, no, I'm not that cynical. Let's use banking <laughs> terms like earn tomorrow, earn. Like, like put your money in our bank so you'll, you'll earn interest on it, earn it tomorrow. Wow. You re- I think you really should start submitting some, like, emails to the marketing around the league 
because I don't know that I can't guarantee that the Philly marketing people were that smart to tie in a banking terminology with it as well. Uh, yeah, that's 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 what what it what uh, I thought. First thing I thought of when I saw that. All right. Did so? Have you told us your number four yet? Yeah, when you're trying to suck up to your corporate partner, uh, I don't like it, and so that's my number four. <laughs> All right. Well, my number four. Oh my goodness. This is this this is okay. My number four is the San Jose Barracudas hashtag, which is hashtag not done yet. And I like that. That's kind of got some a little swagger to it. Like, hey, we're not done yet. It ain't over yet. It's easy to remember. Hashtag not done yet. And they are not. They are. You win or lose. Well, that's true. So, see, it's a it's a perennial hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Could be used all year round. Uh, we're done, but we're not really done yet. But no, they're not done yet. So they they will they will continue on. Have you given us your number three without us knowing? No, my number three is when um, your hashtag is so generic that it doesn't have say anything about your team or your city or, or anything. Well, it could go for, for a lot of them, but uh, the Amherst hashtag yes, <laughs> rally our city. It's so stupid. <laughs> rally our city. Rally uh-huh. our city. Like it says nothing about, okay. Well, now the, the, I'll, talk more, now the, I'll talk more about this in a minute. Just, the the phantoms, the phantoms. Okay, the phantoms. Yeah. I, um, rally in the valley. That's that's too damn cute. That's too silly. It's too damn cute. But at least it relates to the Lehigh Valley. Um, I, I don't like it either. But it's like I say, rally in the valley. Oh, it's really it's, it's sweet. It's oh, it's so special. But but it's much better than something so generic as rally our city. Yeah, I, d- I don't like that either. Um, my number three is actually uh, another eliminated team already. The Columbus Blue Jackets, kind of going along with what you're saying, I like it when a hashtag correlates directly to to the team or or the team's you know the team's look that kind of thing. And the the Blue Jackets, for anyone who hasn't stopped to think, well, what are the Columbus Blue Jackets supposed to be? Blue Jackets are it's. You know, they have a cannon in the arena. It's it's Civil War era. It's talking about soldiers, the Blue Jackets. Um, and so their hashtag kind of in that vein is March On. Soldiers marching on, and they're marching on into the playoffs. And so I thought I thought that was a really nice way to tie the essence of their team in with the idea of, of moving forward um, as a unit into the playoffs. So March On from the Columbus Blue Jackets was my number three. You know what? And it's, again, this is just a, a first thing that came to mind. March On, I thought of Walk On. You know the song, Walk On, Walk On, You'll Never oh, Walk yeah. Alone. The one that plays yeah. funerals all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, That's really nice. I know. Don't send your email to, to Columbus on that one. <laughs> No, okay. Okay. Well, it's the same as the Bruins one in our blood. 
Oh, like, I can't stand uh, that one. Did we, did we die? You know. I, well, I know. Well, and, or the devils. Now we rise. Well, what the hell were you doing before? <laughs> you just laying down on the job. Like, <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> or the Leafs stand witness. Come on. <laughs> stand Wit- witness to, to what? Our destruction. Because, yeah. yeah that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh God. Okay. Uh, what? So what's your what's your number two? So the last two are actually I I I've crap and complained about. Um, <laughs> ones up till now. The last two, uh, I thought I better you know, switch to a positive note, and they're ones I kind of like. Um, and number two, um, it's the Idaho Steelheads of the ECHL. Really? Yeah. Hashtag feel the steel. Ooh. That's nice. You know? That's good. That yeah, works. It, that's you know, it's not it's, bad. It's not. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, Steelhead's a fish, but but but. The, <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I was kind of like, I didn't. Yeah, I, I the mean, connotation's a little weird, but okay. You no know, steel, like <laughs> you know, like like battle, like a sword, like. Uh huh. Yeah. Except they're a fish. Forget, yeah, forget that part. So a sword wielding fish? Something yes, that's right. <laughs> that armor plated sword wielding fish. Right. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well my <laughs> Okay, someone who's an artist out there needs to draw us a mock up of the armor plated sword wielding steelhead fish. That's we we need to see that somewhere. My number two is going to be uh, Sorry Rick um, is, is going to be one that Rick doesn't like uh, He has already said that he doesn't like it And it's also going to be a correction Because he didn't quite get it right The Lehigh Valley Phantoms hashtag Is not rally in the valley Cutesiness <laughs> It's a lot stronger than that It's hashtag rally the valley very different. Oh, there, there's a huge difference there. No, it is. It's a different. It's not. Let's have a rally in the valley. It's not cutesy like that. It's strong. It's rally the valley. And okay, so here I, I can offer an anecdotal story to this. Um, and and they've used they use this hashtag for every playoffs. So this is a case where fans do know this hashtag once the playoffs start because they use it every year when they're in the playoffs. Um, but since I live in the Lehigh Valley, I can also offer like anecdotal everywhere I drive around Allentown and the Lehigh Valley, there are signs in people's yards with the Phantoms logo rally the Valley that have been handed out. I don't know where, but they're every they're plastered everywhere you drive. And I was actually, um, out to lunch today with a, a large group of, of colleagues and, Playoff hockey came up at the table. Uh, some people were chatting about whether or not they were going to the games this weekend. Um, and a couple of the ladies at the table said, you know, I don't follow hockey, but I did know that the Phantoms were in the playoffs because all I see are these stinking rally the valley signs in everybody's yard in my neighborhood. <laughs> so it's working. <laughs> and so anyway, 
anecdotal story, but I really I I do like Rally the Valley. I like Feel the Steel. It rolls off the tongue really nicely. It's you're you're rallying the Lehigh Valley to come together and support your team. Um, and I happen to like it, so that's my number two. All right. So there. And I I'm, I apologize <laughs> to you, and I apologize to yeah. Get it uh, right next time. Our, our good friend Dan Freemuth for the. That's the, uh, right. It's not rally in, in the, the valley. Hashtag. Yeah, okay. He would My not allow something yeah. like rally in the valley. It's rally the valley. All right. And it's not rally our city, for God's sake. All right, so you're number one. Hit My me. number one, um, well, it's the best place to be in the I playoffs. Knew it. I knew in it. In any league. I, uh, oh. uh, right now, and uh-huh. that is Winnipeg. Uh, they uh, fill the, the the building with sixteen thousand uh, passionate uh, Jets fans, and uh, outside in the street, they close off the street, and and the crowds have been about fifteen thousand outside, and you'll see all of them in white. It's the Winnipeg Whiteout. Uh, it's a tradition uh, that goes back to uh, version one of the Winnipeg Jets, and yes, I admit I I have partaken in the Winnipeg Whiteout. Um, and uh, and it's it's something to behold uh, when every single person in the arena is wearing white, and you can almost see them individually as a choir uh, in the arena. They don't blend blend in anymore. But the the hashtag uh, WPG Whiteout, the Winnipeg Whiteout, is the best hashtag for the playoffs. Really? Uh huh. Hands down. Not even close. Well, well, <laughs> I don't know. I agree. It's a good one. And I do like the whiteout in Winnipeg. It, the, the arena looks fantastic. Um, and it, it looks like a very, very fun atmosphere. Uh, now that my flyers are out, I am, I am all in on the Winnipeg Jets. And, uh, oh, <coughs> the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who, I'm sorry, my prognosticating, hold on a second. I know we can, we're, we're going to talk about round one of the NHL playoffs next week, but not only did I say that the Vegas Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup, they swept the, they swept the Kings in their first round. So I'm, I'm still all in on the Vegas Golden Knights, but also the Winnipeg Jets uh, going forward in the playoffs. So I do like the Winnipeg Whiteout. Uh, my, you're going to hate my number one. The way, the way this list has gone, I'm, I'm going to also prognosticate that you're going, to hate, you're going to hate my number one. But the San Jose Sharks win the day on hashtags. Win the day. Not only because, okay, my biggest complaint, lazy teams that don't bother coming up with, with a new hashtag. Rick prefers that they don't. That's fine. Uh, I say, okay, have your same hashtag, but come up with a new one as well. So for my favorite one, not only do they have a special hashtag for the playoffs, they have generated a hashtag per series in the playoffs, which extra credit. I'm sorry. That's just extra credit. And not only that, they're funny. And I'm, I'm all in on social media, hockey social media accounts that are funny. Uh, so they played the Anaheim Ducks in the first round. I think Rick and I both had 
believed that the Ducks would win that series. And uh, whoops, the Sharks kind of swept them right out of the playoffs. Um, So during that series, anyone who grew up in the video game era in the early days of Nintendo loved this game. Uh, Their hashtag was hashtag Duck Hunt, which was really clever, really cute. And uh, that's exactly what they did because the Anaheim Ducks are out of the playoffs. So now it shifts now to San Jose Sharks versus the Vegas Golden Knights. And so they have a new hashtag for this series, and it is hashtag nighty night with the second night spelled with a K for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Again, nighty night. They're going to they're gonna put the Knights, they claim they're going to put the Knights to bed. Um, just, I, I really appreciate the cleverness and just the creativity and, and it just makes it fun. Very cute. So, I'm going with the Sharks. They are my playoff hashtag winners this week. And we'll find out soon what the hashtag is for them and beyond. For the Witch Beyond? Following this this series. Well, well, no, they're going to lose. Even if they don't move on. Well, yeah, that's true. They're like, okay, now we're done. Like, hashtag <laughs> we're done, or, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> hashtag see you next year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, surprisingly, and it could be because they have a new social media person in Las Vegas, I was a little disappointed in, in Vegas's. I, I, I don't know that Vegas's hashtag has changed from the regular season. It's just hashtag Vegas born. Which is fine for, for all season long. I was expecting them to come up with something new and fun, but alas, I was disappointed. Um, But if you know of some hashtags that we didn't talk about, no matter what league it's from, it could be the KHL, I don't know, uh, give us a a tweet or a shout on on Facebook. Let us know. um, Let let us know. What are some more good ones out there? Or what are some really bad ones? Because there apparently seems to be more bad ones than there are good ones. Uh, which is sad to say. <laughs> um, so uh, be sure be sure to hit us up. And, of course, make sure you come right back here next week. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Season's still going strong. We're in the playoffs, both in the AHL and the NHL. And uh, the ECHL playoffs are still going on. Lots, lots of things happening uh, in the world of hockey as news also continues to develop from the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, Rick, we had a lot of good information today. Thanks for being here great, again. Great show, and um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. We'll be right back here next Tuesday, right here on the AHL Report. Of course, we'll have some uh, some audio from the Phantoms Bruins series this weekend, so you won't want to miss that. And uh, be sure to send us in any questions you have, of course, all during the off season. We'll be happy to to address them. And we'll see you right back here again next week on another episode of From the Press Box. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Amy Johnson. Have a great week.